In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So, as I was mentioning at the beginning of the readings, the introduction of the readings, that we are um, at the end of this Coptic month called Hatur. It doesn't really matter what it's called, but um, the Coptic calendar is an agricultural calendar, and this is the month of sowing the seed. Um, and this is uh, after the Nile River would have overflown on the riverbanks and wet the soil and the soil wouldn't be dry and hard anymore after a long hot summer, but it would be wet and moist. They'd be able to till the soil. And then this would be the season while the soil is still wet that they can sow seed and that they can, that they can reap something in. And there is this famous pharaonic saying that if you miss if you miss sowing the seed during the month of Hatur, then you just have to wait for it to come back another year. The, the thought there is that if you miss this opportunity, I mean, it's obvious if you miss January, you have to wait another 12 months for January to come around. That's not what they're saying. They're not trying to state the obvious. They're trying to state that if you miss this opportunity to sow the seed, then a year will pass and the harvest will be not so great and you have to wait a year again until you can get a harvest like you would have gotten if you would have really sown the seed properly in its time. So the first two weeks of this month, the, the Sunday gospel was the parable of the sower. And we had mentioned that it's the only time where we find a gospel repeated twice in a row. Like the parable of Samaritan, the gospel of Samaritan woman is repeated uh, three times throughout the year, but they're not in a row. So obviously God is trying to tell us something. Last week was the cost of discipleship. This week is this young rich man who comes to Jesus and says to him, what do I have to do to be perfect and inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he looks at him and he loves him. And he says to him, go sell all that you have. Give to the poor, come and follow me. And the man goes away sad and Jesus comments on this and he says it's difficult for a man who trusts in his riches to enter the kingdom of heaven and Jesus then as Jesus is talking St. Peter interrupts him and says but look we've given up everything and followed you we've given up our families our jobs everything our, our, our hometown and we just we just walked away from everything to and Jesus then interrupts St. Peter and says I promise you no one will leave anything on this earth father mother brother sister wife children lands and not receive a hundredfold in this life with persecutions and eternal life in the life to come and the first will be last and the last will be first and so what is the church trying to to bring to light from the teachings of Christ for us in this time at this specifically at this time it's very simple I'm just gonna cut right to the chase if you discovered okay if you discovered a way of maximizing profit in one area of your life what do we all do we then take that and we apply it in all the other areas of our life and we see if we can get the same result 
everywhere else. What does a business do if they discover that something worked in a particular market? They'll go study other markets and see if they can you know, use that in another market. And the danger of that is like they say, if you have a hammer, everything becomes a nail to you, you know? But why is that? Because you've achieved extraordinary success. You've, you've discovered something extraordinary and you say to yourself, wait a minute, if this works in my professional life, what about my personal life? What about my uh, family life? What about my spiritual life? What about my life with friends? What about my life at church? What about, can I take this from this part of my life and apply it somewhere else and get the same results? If so, that would be awesome, right? And that's, and that's what we all do. And, and so the key here is to put, keep our eyes on the reward. The sower, when he goes out to sow initially, he can't see the reward. He can't see the crop. But he knows it's going to come. Why? From years and years and years of farming, he knows that if he sows the seed and he does this and this way and so on, and the conditions are favorable throughout the season, he'll end up with a great harvest at the end. So he does all the things he has to do because he believes, he believes in what he cannot see. St. Augustine says something really beautiful. Let's see if I can get it right. He says, if we believe in the things we cannot see, we will see the things that we could only have believed in. If we believe in the things that we cannot see, we will see the things that we could have only believed in. And I promise you that it's true. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. And when you hear Jesus say, in yet last week's gospel, you cannot follow me unless you're willing to give up father, mother, brother, sister, wife, children, yes, your own self, then you cannot be my disciple. When you hear Jesus say today the same thing to St. Peter, last week he was saying it as the cost of discipleship. This week he's saying it as the reward of discipleship. Last week it was the cost. If you do not... If you, if you do not, Jesus' words in Luke uh, 14, I believe, were, if you do not hate father, brother, mother, sister, wife, children, yes, your own self, you cannot be my disciple. This week, Jesus interrupts St. Peter and tells him, there is no one who has given up father, mother, brother, sister, wife, children, lands, who shall not receive a hundredfold in this life and in the one to come. Jesus is giving us promise that is so tangible we can sink our teeth into it and we can hold on to it and we can believe in it. And if you, if you, if you, if you were, he, were here and uh, able to, to, to listen attentively in the Pauline, you find that St. Paul was saying that we are stewards of the mysteries of God and he goes on to say what it cost him to be a steward of the mysteries of God. He says, he says to them, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise. We are weak, but you are strong. We are distinguished. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst and are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. We labor working with our hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. 
saying we've given up all things. We've given up our honor. We've given up our dignity. We've given up everything that you might receive the gospel. He's telling the Corinthians. This is a man... This is a man that saw the cost of discipleship. He saw the promise that was promised. And he said, the cost is nothing compared to what I'm being promised. And so he willingly let go of all that he had to let go of so that he could lay hold of the promise. And the famous verse that St. Paul says about that is in Philippians 3, where he says, we've counted all things as rubbish for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you throughout the liturgy today to examine all the different aspects of your life and ask yourself, and ask yourself at work, at home, at school, with friends, with family, with my father, with my mother, with my sister, with my brother, all the things that Jesus listed. Like Jesus listed wife, sister, brother, son, daughter. He listed them all. Are you getting the maximum? Like, are you, are you reaping the maximum promise, the maximum reward in those departments? And if not, the answer to actually getting more in, in each one of those departments is actually to let it go, is actually to choose Jesus over brother, sister, wife, mother, father, son, daughter. And ask yourself, what does it mean to choose Jesus over, yes, my children, yes, my wife, what does that mean? Does that mean speaking the truth to them when they don't necessarily want to hear it? Does that, mean, does that mean respecting my time with Christ even when somebody, one of these other people, is asking for my time? Does that mean laying down my dignity like St. Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 when I'm with any one of these people? What does it mean? But if you, if you have a way to change your profits in one department of your life from a profit unit of one to a profit unit of a thousand, and you've, and you've discovered this method, and you've discovered this method of maximizing profit, and you've tried it in one department and it worked... Why wouldn't you apply it in each of the other departments? Today is the gospel of promise. Today is the pro gospel of promise. But there's something that holds us back. You know what holds us back? What held this young rich ruler back when he went to Jesus and he said, I want to follow you. I want to inherit the kingdom. What held him back? That he trusted in his riches. So he couldn't give up his riches. Okay, what's your riches? What are you not ready to give up? If you give it up, Jesus is promising you a hundredfold in this life with persecutions. So in a whole other story. But he's promising you a hundredfold in this life and in the one to come. I finished by telling you a story I may have told it before. One of my mentors is Bishop Paul. Bishop Paul is a lovely man. 
It's a very personal story, but I don't think he'll mind that I share it because he shared it in a public context. He's told me a couple of times his story about how he became a bishop, well, how he became consecrated, a consecrated servant. Initially, he wasn't even ordained, just he left everything to go serve, to serve God, first in Asyut, then in Africa, then in Europe, and then as a consecrated deacon, then as a celibate priest, and then as a bishop. Anyhow, the short of the long. Long story, but the, 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 the important part of this story is this. He was very rich. He grew up, he was so rich. He was so rich that he didn't carry his school bag to school and home. He had a servant who carried his school bag for him to school and carried, came, picked him up from school and carried his school bag home. That's how rich he was. And his dad, they lived in a villa in, 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 in southern Egypt. And his dad would be, you know, on the second floor of the balcony and he would be standing watching in the courtyard as him and his brothers would play. And they'd look up and they'd look at his dad and his dad looked so happy to watch them. And his wish, his dream was that he could have like 20 or 30 kids. And he knew it was like unreasonable, an unreasonable wish. And he always imagined himself being the, the dad sitting in the balcony you know, watching his sons like playing around in the, in the yard, in the courtyard, you know, like a, it was like a gated courtyard around the house, right? So when God called him to a celibate consecrated life, that's what bugged him the most. He wasn't so fussed about getting married or not getting married. The marriage part was just a step to getting the kids, you know? So he just wanted to have children, lots of children, right? Um, and, uh, but, you know, it's a whole other story how he just, he said he was willing to give that up for God and to live celibate and never to have his own biological children. When did he tell this story? He told this story when he was in L.A. I wasn't there, but I heard it from a friend and then later on I heard this story from him. He was in L.A. once during his birthday and he has children all over the world, spiritual children all over the world. And when he was in L.A., they threw a birthday party for him. And the room was packed. And there was a cake with like, you know, 62 candles or something, you know. And he's like, they sang him happy birthday. And then he's sitting and he's staring at the cake. And he's a very unassuming person. He's very humble. He's very courageous and very bold. So you don't, he could, you, could, you could miss his humility. But he's actually a very self-effacing and humble person. And he just looked at the cake and he started crying. And he just started bawling as he was looking at the cake. And they told him, Sayyidina, I'm so sorry. Did we do something wrong? I mean, maybe we overstepped our boundaries. Maybe, you don't, maybe, maybe bishops don't get birthday cakes or something. I mean, it's a gray area, you know, like, right? What, what's wrong? Are you okay? Are you? And he started crying and he said, truly, God is faithful. Truly, God is faithful. I wanted to have many children, more children than a wife could bear to me. And when I chose to give them up, he gave them to me. So many that they are spread all over the world. More children than I could count. Truly, truly, God has been faithful to me. What I gave up, he gave me a hundredfold here on earth 
and I will get to enjoy them also in the kingdom of heaven. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.